Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is not here today, but he'll be back soon. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This is part two of a two-part series on a creepy little spaceship, series of spaceships, called the X-37B, and, uh... We decided, we made a, uh, we called an audible, as they say in the world of sports, we made a game time decision to make this a two-parter, so we're not going to spend too, too much time on uh, on the beginning. Uh, we do hope you listen to part one, uh, so you can fully appreciate how creepy and weird this is becoming. So first, here are the facts. Uh, Matt, if someone never heard of space, no, I'm kidding. If someone <laughs> never heard of the X-37B, how would you, how would you explain it to them? I would say, imagine the space shuttle that you've probably seen, unless you're too young and you've never seen it. Look up NASA space shuttle, look at that thing, and then imagine a tiny little version of that that doesn't have any people in it. Right. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and now your natural question is going to be, well, if it doesn't have people in it, what does it have in it? And, spoiler, we spent most of part one asking ourselves that same question. Uh, yeah. Now, we can go over some uh, high-level things, the stuff that has been sanitized for public consumption. But if you are listening to this show, or if you have ever read about this craft in the past, you know that that 
that stuff is uh, incredibly unsatisfactory. It's not a great explanation. So today what we're going to do is, uh, is talk about all the speculation that thrived in the absence of transparency here. That's right. Important things to know before we get into this discussion. The last mission that sent the X-37B up into space lasted for 908 days. That means this little thing that is automated was in space for 908 days on its own doing some things. There are a couple of experiments that are declassified or that have been spoken about publicly by the people that are running those experiments, but the rest of it We don't know. You need to know that the payload bay for this thing is about the size of the back of a truck, like standard size truck. Uh, So like what could fit in there and what can it do? Because it can maneuver around. It's not like a satellite that gets put into orbit. It can maneuver. So what's it doing? Yeah, you also need to know that a lot of the stuff we are discussing has been categorically denied by Uncle Sam uh, numerous times through numerous platforms, via numerous officials, and it turns out that a lot of what they're saying may not entirely be the truth. It's Emily Dickinson-style truth. They told the truth, but told it slant, uh, for any uh, poetry fans out there. Uh, this, This is mission critical here. Uh, you know, sometimes governments, well, often governments have to keep secrets, but they also encounter mission creep, right? And a lot of conspiracies or not theories, but active conspiracies on the part of governments are not meant to hide the things you're thinking they're hiding. Like a lot of stuff is classified, not because of what it is, but because they don't want rivals to know how they know it. They don't want those collection methods to be clear, right? And this this is one of the big sticking points. It's one of the big misconceptions about a lot of conspiracies. That being said, there are a ton of conspiracy theories about the X-37B because there are no real leaks about it. It is a tight ship, which is uh, literally not unusual in the U.S., Literally and figuratively, it is a it is airtight. Um, well, maybe not the cargo bay, uh, but we'll we'll get into this when you think of this thing. What you need to understand it is is that it is one of the most mysterious man made objects in space that we know of. If that sounds like hyperbole, well then strap in. <laughs> so when we last left off, we were talking about. The potential for spying with this craft. If the U.S. wanted to spy either on the ground or on other satellites or other space technology, they could maneuver this thing around and spy however they wanted to, including hacking into satellites, right, from space. Just saddle up to one, hack into it, move on. So glad you brought that up, Matt, because there's another point we talked about in Strange News. I don't know if we got to it in part one, but one of the basic questions about that kind of Uh, Hacking, at least remotely, uh, would be, do you need that proximity, right? Would it not be more cost effective to have someone hack it from the ground, right? Like, there are a lot of questions here. And so in this episode, we're going to do a lot of uh, devil advocation for and against these theories. We're going to have a lot of back and forth. uh, And we're doing this in hopes that someone who can give us the scoop on X-37B 
or one of its global counterparts can uh, contact us and uh, give us a little bit of illumination here. So without further ado, here's where it gets crazy. We talked about the when we talked about the idea of spying on other satellites, surveilling them somehow, maybe the outside possibility of hacking them, uh, we were careful to point out that that was the least crazy theory. Uh, there are two other big ones, and the proponents, the champions of those theories, guarantee are going to surprise you. What's uh, Riddle me this, Matt, what's worse than having someone spy on your satellite? Uh, I don't know, grabbing your satellite out of space and then just bringing it back to the U.S.? Grand Theft Satellite! <laughs> yeah! Pay attention, Rockstar. Yeah, I know. I could see this working with some of the smaller military satellites and experimental satellites that have been launching in recent years that are, I mean, tiny. You're talking about a little bit larger than the size of a bowling ball with some appendages attached to it. Um, there are some tiny satellites that would fit easily into this thing. You could probably capture it. Maybe not fully intact, but most of the tech, you, you mm -hmm. maybe could. But yeah. I kind of don't see it. I don't know. That's the thing. It's, okay, would the X-37B or something like it have the ability to physically capture satellites, which are small, right, especially the newer ones, and going very fast, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that. When things are in orbit, they're moving pretty quickly. Uh, would it be able to capture them and keep them in good enough shape that it could return them to U.S. soil with something worth looking at, right? That's, that's, if, if that's the case, that's amazing and terrifying. Uh, we, we, you know, let's go back and forth, right? Um, experts in the field, Matt, tend to agree with you. They've so far painted this as an unlikely goal. Uh, part of it is, well, one, one part is that the size of the plane is, the size of the X-37B, rather, is just too small, at least according to orbital analysts. Yep. Uh, there's uh, one person you found, Ben, uh, Brian Whedon, who said, yeah, it's definitely too small. And, you know, this thing is maneuverable, but to have the kind of nimbleness you would need to get under that satellite, get it to fit, perfectly into your cargo bay and then close it up it probably doesn't have that kind of dexterity probably at least that we're aware of um but again it's weird because you have to say maybe it's just unlikely well yeah that's the thing so i was thinking about the maneuverability aspect so yes it can alter its orbit that is known as a not a, not even a secret in this uh cavalcade of secrets but altering the orbit is like saying walking right walking is not the same thing as an intricately choreographed dance and that's the level of dexterity you would need to capture a satellite with without breaking it right and then having it somehow safely ensconced within this craft such that it returns again it returns in good enough shape for there to be information gleaned from it if you think about it, folks, it's way easier to hit, damage, and or destroy a satellite than it is to safely play some weird orbital, you know, carnival game 
and drop your little claw hand in and then pick it up and, and get it back into, you know, your your robo shuttle. Yeah, I'm I'm just imagining the shape of it, the way the bottom is like theoretically you could maybe you could uh, fly this thing just above the orbit of a satellite and just push down on it. Right. Like gently basically dock with the top of it and then push it down so that it falls out of orbit. That would be. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Because that, that seems already like a better idea than the carnival claw hand. Uh, (laughs) But But, but you could also maybe use a magnet. Oh yeah. You could use a magnet. If you figure out how to make it not mess with all your magnetically sensitive stuff. Yeah. But how how do you deal with re-entry? Unless it's contained inside the, sh- the ship, which is designed to come back uh, to re-enter. Mm, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I was also, after we're done with part one, I kept thinking of the Trojan horse. You know, like how would you... This is feels like a Trojan horse design too. Like later you could take this technology, make a disguised payload, and then say, oh, we're going to get into it. Anyway... The other the other problem that I think we're we both automatically clocked is uh, if you're trying to steal stuff, your main thing, the main thing in any heist is to get away. Yeah, anonymously. So people can't find you or know who you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you took any action like we're talking about here, you know, taking a satellite, moving a satellite, hurting a satellite. Uh, people are going to know that it was you. Yeah. Here's a ethically fraught comparison. Think of shoplifting. No judgment. You know, everybody's got a past. Some people have shoplifted because they ha- they had to. They needed to eat or something like that, right? Um, if you are trying to steal something from a store you know that it's easier when there are not cameras on you, when a manager or an employee isn't staring you down, looking right at you. Sure, you can take whatever that thing is you're stealing, whatever that object is, but odds are you're not going to get away with it. You're not going to get out of the store. So in this comparison, Earth Orbit is the store, and there are cameras everywhere, and the manager is always watching There are millions of managers. They have a little meetup on the internet where they just make sure that they can follow you around the store. That's that's really not a bad comparison. And then they post on Reddit about where you are and what you're doing. (laughs) And then, yes, and then they they point their uh, telescopes. Okay, look, maybe we're over-exploring this, but that's that's one. I I think those are two... um, those are two important things to point out about the problem with the satellite snatching theory, right? But that's not even the, um, that's still not the craziest. Uh, one of the, I don't even want to call it crazy, to be honest with you folks. One of the most extreme theories then is that the X-37B is, is, a, is kind of a Trojan horse that under the guise of peaceful R&D and experimentation, it's actually paving the way for the weaponization of space, which is a huge thing that the a lot of people just don't think about or care about until they see, you know, uh, uh, the latest action movie, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little thing, you may have even heard this in a fictional story, a little thing called 
Orbital Launch Platforms. Ah, um, maybe a nuke. Maybe something else. Maybe a rail-type situation where it's just a kinetic impact of something super heavy. Because remember, this thing is light. This thing is very light. You could probably load it up with, you know, that entire back of the truck with something you just let go. It goes straight down into a target. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be, we mentioned this part one, it probably wouldn't be the old school uh, tungsten rods that yeah. were kinetic weapons just because that's too big for the back of the truck. But I, just like satellites, nuclear, nuclear weaponry is getting smaller and smaller. Miniaturization is one of the um, one of the key breakthroughs for any technology, right? And so... Well, for many technologies, right? There's some stuff you want to build bigger and bigger. But but for what weapons of this sort, I think a lot of people need to shed the idea of a nuclear weapon being a ginormous rocket. The ginormous rocket is simply the means of getting the actual weapon to the target, right? And if you have already used a rocket to get your X-37B in space, then now you potentially just have to figure out the math of when to let the cargo door open hey. and, and, and how to, you know, how to alter your orbit such that it lands roughly where you hope it, want, it will <laughs> land. <laughs> you know God. what I mean? It is creepy to think about if eventually if you had, uh, let's say, three to six of these orbiting at any one time, Right. And you staggered the times when they came back to Earth to like refuel, you know, uh, repairs, all that kind of stuff, the standard maintenance. You could have a fleet of maneuverable orbital launch vehicles just ready to rock. And it's in that kind of thing is something where even if world leaders had ethical compunctions about it, they would still want to build it because they don't want to be the kid on the playground who doesn't have that toy. Because then you automatically will lose all arguments when it gets down to brass tacks, right? Uh, and that's So people are feeling compelled to make it, the same reason that people felt compelled to get nuclear weapons, right? Because U.S. foreign policy has shown, pretty much without exception, that if you attain a nuclear weapon, you won't be invaded. If you're working on nuclear weapons and you walk back from working on them, right, and you stop that work, then... Uh, Whoops. No holds barred. I know. Time for some freedom, right? Uh, which sounds very, very cynical, but that's an apolitical point. That is just the precedent that the world has seen. And it goes, regardless, it goes the same way regardless of U.S. administrations, regardless of which party or which corporation is in power uh, at the time. So when we talk about this, I have to realize as crazy as the idea of space weapons might sound, as sci-fi as it might sound, this isn't some hot take from Twitter. Some of the most publicly aired concern about this is not from some guy on Reddit at 3 a.m., not there's anything wrong, we've all been that guy, uh, and it's not some anonymous source on 4chan. It's the leaders of other governments with their own space programs, Russia, China, right? Later on, India, you know, and then the BRIC, the BRIC nations, all of them. Uh, so why don't we pause for a word from our sponsors 
And then let's go to an expert on this, Dean Chang, writing for Foreign Policy. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. So, this article is worth the read. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about this, uh, this is called When the Chinese Look at X-37B, They See the Future of Space-Based Attack. Uh, this is from Dean Chang and Thomas E. Ricks. Uh, it's a few years old, but uh, but you'll see why it's still relevant, I think. So Chang sees a what what he portrays as a fundamental difference in perspective between the U.S. and China. Uh, the military analyst of the Chinese government, well, like any military analyst, they think in terms of precedent. They think in terms of structure. So when you see a new technology, one of the best ways to kind of spin out the future of it is to think of what happened, what went down when there was a similar situation, a similar innovation, breakthrough, challenge, war, etc. And that's what they did. And we pulled some quotes from this because I think it helps explain their concern. Yeah, let's jump right into the article here. 
Quote, just as aircraft initially provided reconnaissance and artillery observation, space systems are seen by Chinese military thinkers as a crucial part of modern warfare. From the Chinese perspective, space has played an essential role in fighting and winning, quote, local wars under informationized conditions from the first Gulf War through the Balkan conflicts to the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. It really makes sense. So they're looking at just what, what aircraft did. How did that change the game? Just being able to fly a vehicle and observe from above. Well, uh, we kind of see what it did. Now what's happening if you could fly a vehicle from even further above? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a very smart way to think about it. It goes back to the precedent again. But they took it further, right? Um, you know, they're, they're also very aware any military strategist is very aware now of information as a battlefield, right? The digital space. Right? And now the physical space beyond the bounds of Earth is only another potential theater of conflict of war. It, their big thing on uh, the side of the Chinese military is the concern about what's called space-to-ground operations, those are those rods of God, right? Those are the eyes in the sky that can tell you uh, information you wouldn't be able to obtain otherwise. And they had, uh, th this is where they're coming from with their concern. They argue, uh, here's another quotation, quote, just as reconnaissance aircraft led to fighter planes to shoot down those reconnaissance planes, and there then developed bombers for both battlefield support and strategic bombing campaigns, the world militaries will inevitably repeat this pattern with space. It, it's kind of like how Earth's ecosystems tend to have the same roles, filled by any, other, any number of life forms, but there are predators, there, there's a prey uh, class, you know, and then there's an apex predator class, all, all the uh, neat little things in between. A, a, the order of operations makes sense and it kind of apes natural evolution when you think about it. That was an unintentional play on words. Of course, you start with the little, you know, the easy to build planes, the biplanes, right? If you survive landing, then you'll have some intel. Like, uh, oh, snap, someone, this thing works. <laughs> right. And then you have someone else saying, oh, snap, their thing works. We need a biplane with a gun. Yeah. We, need a, we need a predator. It's right? always a camera first. Almost always, mm -hmm. we need a thing with a camera. <laughs> mm -hmm. For peaceful purposes. Yeah, then we need a gun to shoot down that thing that they have with the camera. Well, now we need a bomb to break their facility where they're building the things that have the guns that shoot down our camera things. <laughs> and the whole time we're saying, this is a matter of national defense. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and sometimes that's true. So the Chinese government then, in very simple terms, is concerned that the X-37B is, in reality, the first stage toward developing this space-to-ground attack capability. Now, there are a lot of folks out there who will tell you that this capability already exists. And what they're doing is making an educated guess based on proven evidence of technological suppression, right? 
the idea that something like an autonomous car was already very much around before the public even thought about it. Uh, something like uh, a smartphone or a cell phone was already very much around before the public ever got their first flip phone Nokia, right? Both of those things are true, by the way. So it's not a guess that comes out of the vacuum. The Chinese and Russian analysts here, they might not necessarily see X-37B as a space bomber now, but they do think it is 100% evidence that there is a space bomber on the way. And they also know you don't need that much trunk space to carry a pretty nasty nuclear weapon. Yeah, in a truck or in an orbital test vehicle, which is horrifying. Uh, <laughs> this is... This is brought to you by Ford. Oh, God. No. no. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. That's brought to you by Ford. Uh, I mean, that's a question, though. So I got a question for you on this one, man. Uh, do, you, do you think this could be good old propaganda and fear mongering? Like, is this because governments do this all the time, too? Is this a way to rationalize further research and expenditure on home, homebrewed? versions you know mm. like that's what the u.s the u.s and the ussr did that all the time day in day out during the cold war they were like russia might have psychics and someone said are psychic powers real and then someone else said ah give me, a million, give, me give me several million dollars you know what i mean we'll find out we, we will look into it sir <laughs> uh i mean well i think there's always going to be an aspect of that right an aspect of what you're talking about, the posturing, because you kind of have to, because um, if you don't, you're screwed if the, if your enemy has it. But I think there's also maybe, look, I don't know. Who am I? But it does feel like rather than the bomber version that China is thinking about with this thing, I think it's closer to that air-to-air -air combat fighter style thing. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but we got... A very interesting listener correspondence via email from someone talking about laser weapons after we mentioned that on a show previously. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And while, you know, when you look at the X-37B, it doesn't appear to have any kind of capabilities like that. But I imagine you could, f you could fit this thing with some kind of optical weapon tech. And it would be highly effective against other things that are already in orbit rather than, you know, space to ground. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you're in agreement with those analysts, too, because they, they're pretty clear that they see a, a progression, mm -hmm. right? a tiered progression. Uh, so their, their concern is eventually a space bomber. And we want to be the – the implicit thing is we want to be the person, the first person with the space bomber, because we trust us, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's – We're not going to do anything that, to us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right? It doesn't matter whether you are pro-gun or anti-gun, you know, if you are in a room with 10 strangers and one firearm and one person holds the firearm, out of those 10 people, who are you going to trust? You're going to pick yourself to be the holder of the fire, you know? Uh, That's messed up to think about uh, just humanity as a whole. <laughs> 10 people true. in a room with one gun. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, hey, I'm the most trustworthy person here. You know, you guys all have a great vibe, but I just met you. Like, that's that's how it goes. And uh, so, I mean, we're 
playing around a little bit, but unfortunately, that's pretty accurate. The other thing is, is this a legitimate concern with solid evidence behind it? I would posit, yeah. I mean, it, it's a tough question to really answer, but we do know the government of China, and uh, if it wasn't for the situation in Ukraine, Russia would probably be in on this too, but the government of China is taking this idea, this concern seriously enough that they're doing their own work to put robo-shuttles and reusable space tech in the sky. Uh, just last year, they, they've launched several unmanned craft. Unmanned craft, that's, that's old beans. People have sent stuff to Mars and there wasn't a human on it because it's just such a pain in the ass to get humans into space. So like every people know about that technology. It's not classified. Last year, uh, the government of China launched an unmanned craft with supplies for their future space station, which is being under it's under construction now. You thought the ISS was kind of lame? Well, there's good news for you because there's there's going to be a, a, there's going to be a Pepsi to this Coke in the sky. Yeah, the Shangong is that how you say that? Uh, it's it's translated as heavenly place. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, a, you gotta love a space station. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, you can see it. Uh, I just think about. When there are fully automated vehicles roaming around the streets in San Francisco and other big cities that can deliver pizza, if we're at that level, everybody, where it's okay for a tech company to have that, then the advancements that are occurring that we're just not aware of as far as autonomous vehicles go, it's got to be ridiculous. Ah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, that space station... I believe more space stations ultimately is going to be better in the long term for the humans. But this one is going to be supposedly done by the end of 2022. So about a month from now as we record. Uh, like the X-37B, China's playing a lot of its progress close to the chest. August 4th this year, uh, the PRC carried out uh, the second launch of their reusable experimental aircraft from uh, what's called the Long March 2F rocket. It's serious, and it's impressive technology as well. But you thought the X-37B was secret? There's not even a photograph of of the Chinese version. I mentioned it uh, just in passing when we talked about this on Strange News, but you can see reports of the launch from state-owned news sources like Xinhua, but you are never going to get to see it in person. Odds are, if you're listening to this show, you're never going to get to see it in person unless you work in um, the security services of the Chinese government and you're also listening to this podcast as part of your job. See, so what does that tell us about the X-37B? It's officially recognized by the U.S. government. It's the thing that they say, oh, it's okay. Oh, yeah, no, it went up there. We can't tell you what it did, but yeah, isn't it cool? Uh, what's the stuff that they don't acknowledge? What's the stuff that's going up there that they haven't mentioned at all? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But then it might not be insidious. It might just be plain old information management. You know, like it. the PR propaganda game is nasty. It might be something where their testing phase is still so early that they don't want to be in the public eye if something goes wrong. 
Yeah, or you know it could I mean? be UAP level stuff, man. It could be. It very well could be. <laughs> The transmedium object, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're launching from the ocean. That's what I'm saying. And they're doing some 90 degree turns. Yeah. They got a bunch of autonomous vehicles that can function in concert with each other or be independent. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah, sign me up. I'm down. Uh, I, I'm all for the progress, you know. Uh, look, so they do report on this. The Xinhua, which is, you know, to every story that they publish is greenlit by the party. That's just how it works. They described the launch, the second launch, as this. So they said, after a period of in-orbit operation, the spacecraft will return to the scheduled landing site in China. It will test reusable technologies during its flight, providing technological support for the peaceful use of space. That last part might be one of the most important things, right? Because... They emphasize this is not meant to be a weapon, even while they're openly accusing the U.S. of doing the same thing, right? And the U.S. doesn't talk as much about the peaceful nature of space. There are also no images of the Chinese version. There's super high security at the launches to keep spies out, sure, but also to keep civilians from post, like your local space nerds traveling to the Gobi Desert and posting a a launch or a picture of it on TikTok or whatever, because they think it's cool. Uh, But you can, so now you have to start speculating. You start reading, almost reading tea leaves. You know, you're looking at all these little changes and trying to sort of Charlie Day some conspiracy dots together. Like, uh, we know that the launch tower was modified, and this caused some experts to say maybe they are launching something with a bigger payload than the rocket the Long March usually handles. And then someone else comes in and says, you know, it could be something with wings, kind of like the X-37B, because you would have to, you would have to make those kind of modifications to launch that sort of thing, which is a lot like a bunch of people in a room going, I'm just saying, now I, I might be wrong, but think about it. Uh, and then we know that, there, um, another state-owned enterprise is working on its own space plane, uh, and they talk trash about SpaceX all the time because they're they're talking about how they have learned lessons from SpaceX and improved their their model, their design, the Tengyun, uh, by the China Aerospace Science and Industry Corporation or Kasich. Uh, anyway, the reason we're saying this is across the world. Some of the smartest humans on the planet are working around the clock to be on the winning side of some sort of future that they clearly believe is inevitable. And that should give you pause, as they say. And speaking of pauses, let's pause for one more word from our sponsor, and then we'll, uh, we'll return. Let's see if we talk ourselves off the ledge of the orbital platform or, uh, I don't know, man. It's so crazy. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing 
reinventing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we've returned. Ben, we have been going over all kinds of theoretical things that the X-37B could be doing up there. What do you think, what do we think is the most plausible? What, where, where are we at? Should we, should we just go with, let's start with weaponizing space. The concept that this thing is providing some kind of weapons platform, whether it's um, space to ground or space to other space floating objects, right? Or maybe even space to moon. Did you even think about that one? All too often. Yeah, there are going to, there are probably going to be people living on the moon within your lifetime. If you're listening now in one of those giant hollow spaces that they just uh, confirmed yeah. were real. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. What better way to shield oneself from radiation, right? Moon caves, moon caves. Finally, the newest planned community, uh, the hottest thing on Luna. So, okay, we know that the X-37B definitely has some taste goodies aboard, and China might be right that uh, it's paving the way to some degree for weaponization of space. But if you look at the payload space, it seems odd to think they have an active weapon worth taking up to orbit, you know, unless unless it's a dummy thing that they could test. Because again, the part about stealth is you don't really want to get caught. And I know a lot of people are going to say, hey, what about that uh, 1967 treaty that says, you, you know, thou shalt not weaponize space. It will be for all uh, Earth's creatures, hugs and angel farts or whatever. The problem is that that thing, if you actually read it, 
is incredibly vague. What qualifies as a weapon of mass destruction? You know what I mean? What qualifies as weaponizing space? Could you, could you do what so many uh, other nations have done and said, hey, yes, there's nuclear stuff here, but it's for peaceful purposes. We're just building, uh, you know, we're just doing experiments. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm, well, you know, I've been, I keep thinking about some of the images that I've seen online of this thing. Uh, there, there are a bunch of shots that you can see, declassified stuff or stuff that just was never classified in the per- in the first place, uh, images of the actual shuttle. And you can see people uh, who I'm presuming are either with Boeing or with, you know, whoever's running the show right now, and they're wearing suits, suits that you would see people wearing around nuclear materials. At least that's what maybe my brain associates with those kind of hazmat suits. Um, it, uh, it doesn't help my thoughts that this thing isn't, associated with nuclear weapons in any way. What do you think? What is that? Do you think it's possible that it could be that, or is there another explanation? Maybe, and I really love that setup because I think you and I both agree that the more plausible explanation is people are trying to protect themselves from a very dangerous substance called hydrazine, which is not cool. It's insanely dangerous to living organisms, and reentry can be messy, so they don't know if that junk's going to be on the plane. But yeah, I agree with you. The optics look super sketch, right? When you see the people in the hazmat suits. Uh, Yeah, but an argument in favor of this, the U.S. has a super long history of brainstorming ways to use space in war. Uh, and, And the big thing is reaction time. Just like how back in the day, Domino's made this huge deal about how quickly they could get pizza to you. The governments of the world stay awake at night thinking about response time. Something happens across the Pacific. How quickly can you get resources there, right? And manpower, whatever. Something happens, you know, like uh, in the South Pole, right? How, How many things do you have around the South Pole? It's just like moving your armies in that board game risk uh, in, in a very real way. This would be a game changer because if you have space weapons set up in that network you described, Matt, where you have like uh, several of them in a staggered rotation, different orbits they can modify, then your reaction time vastly diminishes. Now you're just a series of commands away from having retaliation abilities. Ben, is this real? In the document, you've you've written down that Russia envisions a world which the U.S. builds as many as six variants to deploy warheads. I want you to know, Ben, I did not read that in the outline, and I thought six was the number for some reason. I don't know why. I feel like Russia just came up with that number on the top of their heads like me. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a it's a um of a Russian official uh, okay. who worked who who is not it, it's not the same thing as the Russian government. So maybe it. it'd be better to say Russian analyst, kind of like how we said Chinese military thinkers. But obviously, um, Russia and the U.S. have long been in an antagonistic relationship, and sometimes. That led to good things like innovation in the world of uh, space flight, uh, but you know, many other times it led to many, many horrible things. So, you know, again, it's a propaganda question. We got to take this with a grain of salt, right? But the possibility 
the possibilities are there building a net around the world uh, where anyone can get touched. And that's a scary thing. Uh, and there's no way around it. You know, multiple world governments have been thinking about stuff like this for decades and decades and decades, all the way back to the early days of the space race. Someone thought about this when Sputnik launched. Oh, yeah. Someone had that what if moment and ran in and was like, I need the following crazy things. <laughs> and then everybody else in the room was also really scared. And they went, fine. Yes, go, go before the world is destroyed. <laughs> and, you know, and then they came back and they made Velcro. Right, they did. Uh, oh my gosh, and ballpoint <laughs> pens, uh, yeah, all, <laughs> all the hits. Uh, guys, listen. We need you to know we have to end this episode right now. Uh, there are so many other concepts out there. We talked about a bunch of these ideas. We want to know what you think is the most plausible thing. Is it because the U.S. wants to take? Uh, satellites, just pull them in. Is it because they just want a really good space spy plane or that's out there just roaming space at all times? Uh, do they, are they making a tinier one that pops out? Remember that theory? Ooh, Ben, what if they've got uh, projector technology and they can pull an old project blue beam from space? What's, what if that's what X 37 is for? What if something gets declassified? What if the speculation becomes so um, dangerous, right? Potentially destabilizing that they come out and say what this thing is actually for. You know, what if someone backs up this one thing that slipped out that a lot of people missed? A few years ago, the Times managed to get an Air Force official to say, okay, the ultimate goal of the X-37B is to aid terrestrial warfighters in a support role. So someone admitted this is tied up with the military in that aspect somehow. I mean, look, this is Again, some of the world's smartest people see this as an inevitable future. We haven't talked about the problems with the idea of snatching satellites. We haven't really talked about uh, the problem of proximity in orbit when it comes to spying on satellites. Uh, but we can say there's a lot more to this story. This this goes deeper and deeper. We didn't even talk about the X-41, which is a whole other thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> look that I'm up. watching your face. Look it up. X-41. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. And we've got to go. Uh, thanks so much, as always, for tuning in, folks. Find us on Facebook, Twitter. You can also give us a call directly, 1-833-STD-WYTK. If none of that quite uh, bags your badgers or snatches your satellites, there's always one other way to contact us. You can send us a good old-fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 